John chapter 12, starting at verse 20. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same that came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida, of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip coming, comes and tells Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If a man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I into this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it, said that it thundered. Others said, An angel spake to him, to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. So far the reading. Let us pray before we look at this text. Dear Father in heaven, as we have read the crucifixion account and now this passage, Father, we thank you for your word that we received it. Father, I pray as we look at this text that I just read, Father, I pray that um, your spirit will um, edify us uh, in what we see in this text. Father, I pray help me to speak well and clear and that uh, your people may be edified and uh, your name be glorified through it. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Uh, I encourage you to keep your Bible open because I will jumping around a little bit in the text otherwise he may get lost in it <coughs> the end of our Lord Jesus ministry had almost been reached less than a week remained till he should be crucified but before he would lay down his life some very important things would take place and be witnessed. And I will mention a few. John 10, we see a remarkable proof that Jesus was the Son of God as he raised Lazarus from the dead. Next, we see that a multitude of jubilant hosannas praised him as the Son of David, King of Israel, singing, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, as Jesus was sitting on a donkey entering Jerusalem. But there is more 
especially as the Son of Man. Jesus said, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. You see that in verse 23. As the Son of David, he is related only to Israel. But his Son of Man title brings in a wider connection. We see from the vision of Daniel in Daniel 7. It is as the Son of Man he comes to the Ancient of Days, that is, the Eternal One, the Father, and as such there is given him, Jesus, dominion and glory and kingdom and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. In looking at verse 20, we see that, a cert that certain Greeks came up to worship at the feast, saying to Philip, Sir, we would see Jesus. We would like to see and meet Jesus. Now, we do not know the motives of those Greeks. As Gentiles, they could not really be part of the Passover. But they were interested in Jesus, maybe because of his teachings or his miracles. Or they were not satisfied with their own Greek gods and wanted to add it another one to satisfy, to satisfy their needs. But maybe they were genuinely interested in Christ. But something very, is very striking. The rejection of Christ by Israel was soon to be publicly evidenced by them, delivering him up to the Romans. Following his rejection by the Jews, God would visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. It says in Acts 15 verse 14. This is what was here foreshadowed by the Greek asking to see Jesus. And we see more of this when the early church was established. For example, in Acts 14, as Paul wrote in verse 27. And when they had come and gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. Now, after Philip and Andrew asked the question to Jesus in verse 22, we do not see that Jesus would meet and speak to the Greeks. Instead, Jesus answered, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. You see, in order for the Jews and the Gentiles to be gathered in, Jesus had to die first before his kingdom would come and be seen. So all people, so that all people, nations and languages should serve him, Daniel 7:14. We see now for the first time that the Lord declared that his hour had come. At Cana, he had said to his mother, "My hour is not yet come." John 2:4. And later in John 7:30 verse 30, we read, "No man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come." But here he announced that his hour had arrived, the hour when he, as the Son of Man, would be glorified. When Jesus talked about the hour has come, he referred to the right time of his death, resurrection, and exaltation. 
See verse 27. But for this cause came I unto this hour. We see this also in chapter 13, verse 1, and verse chapter 17, verse 1. And Jesus knew exactly what agonies were about to come upon him before he would be glorified. But let's pause for a minute. What is his message? What is Christianity? What about this Jesus ready to die on a cross? The central message is that the Son of Man, Jesus, is come to seek and to save that which was lost, according to Luke 19, verse 10. To bring salvation to people who are lost and steeped in sin because all mankind have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3, 23. The first Samuel, in Hannah's prayer, she prays, There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. We see that in Matthew 20, verse 28. The word ransom means literally a price paid for the redemption of captives. In war, when prisoners are taken by an enemy, the money demanded for their release, the money demanded for the release is called a ransom. That is, it is the means by which they are set free. So anything that releases anyone from a state of punishment or suffering or sin is called a ransom. People are by nature captives to sin. They are under condemnation, destined for hell. The whole world lies in wickedness, it says in 1 John 5:19. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man, it says in Romans 1:18. But why? Was it that Jesus needed to die on the cross? It is to declare the righteousness and the justice and the holiness of God. But how, you may ask, God said, God said that sin is to be punished, for the wages of sin is death. And God is a holy God. He cannot just overlook sin. But you may say, oh, oh God is a God of love. And I will, I will just say, I'm sorry, and all will be well. No, no people. Then we know nothing of the righteousness and the justice and the holiness of God. God is not as man. God is holy and light, and in him is no darkness at all. When we look at his son dying on the cross, we need to see the righteousness and the justice and the holiness of God. And so we see that sin must be punished. The wages of sin is death. Therefore, he, God, had made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
2 Corinthians 5.21 But thank God for his rich and mercy for his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in sin has quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God not of works lest any man should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God had before ordained that we, that we should walk in them Ephesians, four, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but had everlasting life for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. John chapter 3. It says in Romans 3 that we are being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Therefore the only way God the Father had ordained for his kingdom to be established is by Jesus' atonement for our sins through his dying on the cross of Calvary. And that brings us to uh, verse 24 of our text. But it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat falling to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. The whole grain, except the germ, dies in the earth or is decomposed. And this decomposed substance is used for the first nourishment of the tender germ. Here we see a beautiful illustration or analogy from God's creation about a kernel of wheat as the sown seed dies to bring forth a rich harvest so also the death of the son of God will result in a rich harvest of salvation for many you see what it says except a corn of wheat falls into the ground and die the seed needs to die buried in the ground then it can germinate when you leave a seed on the table nothing will happen it abides alone it says also note that when a seed dies in the ground germinates and God adds everything to it it will not just be a plant that might produce some fruit instead he said that it would that it would produce much fruit likewise with Jesus death his atonement for sin will certainly bear fruit. And if you are in Christ and have tasted of the, of the bread of heaven, 
you are that fruit. As referred to in John 6, where it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of heaven, for the bread of God, is he which comes down from heaven and gives life unto the world. He said, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. And indeed, the fruit includes the whole of Jesus' church, which includes believing Greeks. No longer would they be restricted to the outer courts. The dividing wall between the Jews and the Gentiles are demolished by the atonement of Christ. I'm sure Philip and Andrew didn't understand exactly what Jesus meant by this profound statement in verse 24. But we, but we don't know if the Greeks, and we don't know if the Greeks heard this directly or indirectly, but here he teaches the true nature of the Messiah's kingdom. J.C. Ryle wrote on this, and it's a bit of a lengthy quote, so pay attention. If they, if they thought to see a king like the king of this world, they were greatly mistaken. Our Lord would have them know that he came to carry a cross and not to wear a crown. He came not to live a life of honor, ease, and magnif magnificence, but to die a shameful and dishonored death. The kingdom he came to set up is to begin, was to begin with a crucifixion and not with a coronation. Its glory was to take its rise, not from victories won by the sword and from accumulated treasures of gold and silver, but from the death of its king. Ra goes on to say, but this sentence was also meant to teach a wider and broader lesson still. It reveals under the striking figure the mighty foundation truth that Christ's death was to be the source of spiritual life to the world. From his cross and passion was to spring up a mighty harvest of benefit, benefits to all mankind. His death like a grain of seed corn was to be a root of blessing and mercies to countless millions of immortal souls. In short, the great principle of the gospel was once more exhibited, that Christ's substitutional death, not his life or miracles or teachings, but his death, was to bring forth fruit to the praise of God and to provide redemption for a lost world. End quote. A loving father provided redemption for a lost world. It is by the cross alone that salvation is made possible. Jesus' death on the cross was essential to provide salvation of men and women out of all nations. And it is by the cross alone that revealed the glory of what way of the way of salvation. It was to suffer death before he arrived at the cross. Because after he died, he rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, and now seated at the right hand 
of God. And from there, pouring forth the Spirit in our hearts, which is given to everyone who repents of their sins and believes in the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Let us go on to go to uh, our verse 25 and 26. <coughs> Where it says, <coughs> He that loves his life shall lose it, and he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. So here we have a, a pair of paradoxes, a meaning seemingly self-contradictory contradictory statement. And there are several sayings like this in the Gospels. Royal had a, um, a good explanation on this. The meaning is plain. He that loves his life or thinks more of life that is now than that which is to come shall lose that which is the best part of his life, his soul. He that hates his life or cares little for it compared to the life to come shall preserve to eternal glory that which is the best part of his life, namely his soul. So what we then see in those verses 24, 25 and 26 is that not only the principle of death um, applicable to Jesus, but in some way it also is applicable to his followers. As Jesus is speaking to his disciples, they too may have to lose their life in service and witness for him. It says in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And that means that you're going to walk in the shadow of the cross. You will in one way or another suffer for my sake. Before our Lord ascended into heaven, he gave the church her great commission to go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So if you, are, if you have been baptized, you identify yourself with Christ's suffering, and you are buried with him in baptism. In the letter of Paul to the Philippians in chapter 3, we see his beautiful words regarding suffering for the name of Christ. After all the things Paul said earlier in the chapter that he could boast in for personal gain and spiritual advantage, he considered them to be worthless. He said, These I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the laws of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection 
here it is, in the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brothers and sisters, let us not be ashamed of the gospel. Jesus said in Luke 9, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. It says in the end of our text, verse 26. Now to see what Jesus is saying in our next verse, verse 27. Now my soul troubled, now my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I into this hour. It's very easy to quickly read over the words, now is my soul troubled. Too often I read words, but fail to let them penetrate. Now is my soul troubled. If someone would say that to you, how would you react? What would come up in your mind? Wow, maybe something like, what has happened to this person what in, it, in this person's life? What kind of pain is this person experiencing? It must be something very troubling if the soul is impacted. <clears throat> According to some commentators, the word that Jesus used here means revulsion or horror. Our Lord said, <clears throat> My soul is horrified but what I am facing. He goes on to say, And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause I came unto this hour. His emotions were deeply disturbed by the agonies about to come upon him. Jesus' contemplation of taking on the wrath of God for the sin of the world caused terrible horror in our sinless Savior. But he knew it was the Father's will for him. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Then listen what Jesus said in verse 28. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven, saying, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Father, glorify thy name. The meaning of this expression is this, in this connection is this. I'm willing to bear any trial. I'm willing to take the sufferings. Let thy name be honored. Let thy wisdom, goodness, and plans of mercy be manifested and seen, whatever suffering it may cost me. Although we know that Jesus would be glorified by what he was about to do, the higher, purses, per, the higher purpose of the cross was that the Father would be glorified by the satisfaction of his justice. 
when Jesus paid the debt for sin, God would be glorified. Then God the Father spoke from heaven. Then God the Father spoke from heaven. And this is very remarkable because you see, we see that there are only three times in the Gospels that God speaks directly. We see it in Luke 3, verse 22, at Jesus' baptism. God said, Thou art my beloved Son, and in thee I am well pleased. And another time at Jesus' uh, transfiguration in Luke 9, verse 35, where he said, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. And God said here in verse 28, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And the people that stood by heard it, said that it thundered. Others said, an angel spoke to him. Verse 29. You can imagine that they would be confused of what just happened. So Jesus said and answered in the following verses. This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. See, there can be no doubt that when God says here that he had glorified his name through Jesus and his work on earth, that, is, that this is to be understood as a confirmation to the people for their sakes that God attended him and approved his work and to convince them that Jesus had honored God's name by the power displayed in his miracles by showing God's mercy to be the appointed Messiah and by saying and will glorify it again God's name will be glorified by the death the resurrection and the ascension of his son and by, the extending, and by extending the blessings of the gospel among all nations to Jews and Gentiles alike. And our Lord Jesus would soon, be, soon face more suffering and ultimately death to that, to the, so that the prince of this world, the devil, would be conquered and our sins would be paid in full when he said, it is finished. question believer do you glory in the cross there is a song called in the cross of Christ I glory do you and how can you give glory to Christ this brings us back to one of our earlier verses where it speaks of that grain dying except it falls into the ground and dies it abides alone but if it dies it brings forth much fruit to glory in the cross we need to die to self by confessing of sin guilt and shame and trusting Christ to be our righteousness It is to say with Paul, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. 
and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We glory in the cross of Christ because there is power in the cross to be reconciled to God. And the Lord Jesus Christ did it all. And just as the song we are about to sing says, Oh, the wonderful cross bids me come and die and find that I may truly live. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the cross. The cross on which Jesus died to save sinners like us. By whom we now have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I pray for those of us who do not see the glory in the cross of Christ that you may open eyes and hearts and give faith to believe and the desire to follow Jesus. In his precious name we pray. Amen.